It's the Locked On Flyers podcast for Thursday, April 21st, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is excited. We finally have a date for the draft lottery. It's the wrong date, but it's a date. We will talk about that more coming up on the show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, once again, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. You can find my co-host Russ Cohen here on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You'll keep up to date on all of our episodes and the Flyers news. You can also email the show at lockdownflyers at gmail.com. On today's show, we're going to talk about that draft lottery date, some Flyers news and Phantoms news as well. We're going to preview tonight's matchup against the Montreal Canadiens, and we'll have our prospect profile that we do every week, this time on Kevin Korchinski. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. So subscribe and you'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked on Podcast Network. All right, Russ. So uh, we, I think, were a little surprised, or at least I was, when the Flyers announced who they were calling up to cover for Kevin Connaughton's injury. And that is Linus Hogberg, uh, who is fine and has been playing well, but not as well, especially recently, as Wyatt Wiley, who we talked about. And um, Linus Hogberg right now in 57 games played this season has no goals, seven assists. Now he's more of a defensive defenseman, mm-hmm. you know, so you wouldn't really expect the output like you're getting most recently with Wyatt Wiley, which again, we talked about all that on yesterday's show that he's been playing really well recently, has scored a few goals. And so I guess my question is to the Flyers, ultimately, you know, why this decision? Is it a handedness thing that matches up with Connaughton? Is it a side of the ice thing, Uh, which I don't think it is? Uh, So, you know, in your estimation, why would the Flyers call up Hogberg? I think it is like who he matches up with, whoever he's going to be in there with. Is he going to be in there with Yandel? Is he in there with Connaughton? Does it matter if either of those two are in it and you call up Wiley and he's in there with Sealer? Like, I think it's more important which guy you're calling up than rather how it fits in the puzzle. But I still think yeah. Mike Yo is trying to fit it in the puzzle. And and I'm not going to tell you which guy's more worthy because everybody's worthy of a call-up. But I, I can tell you that, in my estimation, Wiley's made the biggest step forward in the Phantoms' you know, defensive core. And the fact that he's not going to get rewarded for it probably won't sit great with the player. Like, ugh, what do I have to do? You know, I, I wouldn't feel – I wouldn't – think anything of that if the player thought that about what's going on not at all it is interesting because I think if you talk to people preseason before the season started um you know us included I think I would have put Linus Hogberg ahead of Wyatt Wiley in the depth chart and you know the expectation Mm -hmm. is that if there was an opportunity, he would be getting that call up first. But an entire season has transpired since then. And we have new information. 
And that's what I don't really understand is that it just kind of feels like they didn't adjust this depth chart in terms of of this decision. And again, you know, it seems small and ticky tack in the grand scheme of things for this season. But to your point, what does that tell Wyatt Wiley? Yeah, I mean, Wyatt Wiley has quietly gotten better as a player, more reliable on defense, scoring more goals. He he's really done well in his spot, like considering where that team is. I mean, he is the third highest scoring defenseman on the team. And so if you are truly looking for a defensive defenseman, fine. But, you know, in the end. Like, does that, that matter number, right now? No. And, and honestly, the number five spot where Keith Yandel is, is where you would put Wiley. Like, mm-hmm. that's where he would fit in. And I don't know. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say I don't think Wiley will trip over his own feet in a game. So I think that he's worthy of putting him in there. Yeah, I do, too. But again, no shade on Linus Hogberg. And I hope he does well with this opportunity. And it'll be fun to get him, you know, out there on the ice as well. No question. I'm happy for him, too. Yeah. All right. Another piece of Phantoms news, which has, I think, greater implications. We're going to talk about that, is that the Phantoms announced that they had signed for next season Colin Felix, who is a player out of UMass and is the son of Chris Felix, who was the athletic trainer for the Phantoms for a number of years in the 90s and early 2000s and you know grew up in the area connections obviously with the family connection to the team and and local kid and I think that for me I don't like this in terms of the the timing of it seems really suspicious to me because it's an AHL contract for next season and it just kind of reeks of we need some fun news to talk mm-hmm. about yep and this does not fit into any overarching strategic goals and again AHL contract you know it's not like he's an, a player with expectations of earning an NHL contract at this time but I just think that this team and this organization has to be looked at holistically and we have be- been beating that drum for weeks now and this reeks of an individual decision. Right. Like, who? which coach is he going to be playing for? Who's his coach going to mm-hmm. be? How does he fit into the Phantoms? They don't know, but they know it's a good story, and they know it's going to get coverage, and so they did it. You know, Chuck was at the game, the, uh, the Minnesota-UMass game, and he liked what he saw. I watched it. I wouldn't have thought twice about it. I spoke to somebody else who watched it. They wouldn't have thought twice about it. Somebody with a good eye. You know, and what does this tell you? Well, I saw him live last couple of years and he was, you know, mostly a bottom pairing guy. Maybe uh, he moved up this year. I didn't pay attention, but he doesn't do anything particularly great. He can, you know, he could pass the puck. He could skate. He could chip the puck out. He's going to get a few assists. Like I saw a game where he got an assist. Um he had Zach Jones with him from the Rangers, a super oh, high-powered right. offensive defenseman. Well, yeah, you're going to get some assists like that, but but he's not that guy. He's not going to add offense to your team. So, you know, exactly what is he going to add? Other than a good story, 
you're basically you're you're making the pathway for having more Nick Sealer types. Six one, two hundred pounds, does a few things, doesn't do anything particularly great. Great. Like it's just I would hope they would be looking for more than this. But this is where we're at. Yeah, I I think that it's just so disheartening in a lot of ways because you want to see them make very calculated strategic moves to go in the right direction. And again, this is a good story. I'm sure he's a lovely kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it has nothing to do with him. Nothing to do with him personally. It's just looking at it from an organizational-wide methodology perspective. It just doesn't seem to make sense. And the timing of it, especially, if they had done this at the tail end of free agency to fill in the phantoms next fall, fine, don't care. Just to take up a spot now. Just so happens he's getting signed before the phantoms are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. It's just, I don't know, do not enjoy when the team does something like this to try and kind of pull some PR to put some shine on what was otherwise a kind of a, a dull season. Yeah. It gave, it gave, it gave the Phantoms something to put on their handle on Twitter. I get it. But even fans were kind of looking at that today and were a bit confused. It, it's not just us. You know, some took it for face value, like, all right, fine, they signed the guy, so what? And then there were some that were legit, like, confused. Like, hey, what, what, what is this? What's going on here? All right, well, the Flyers have a game tonight against Montreal, and there may be some draft lottery implications to it. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said at the top of the show, we got the date on that. It's May 10th. We're going to talk more about the draft lottery and how it's shaping up, plus tonight's matchup against the Habs coming up next. Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company that gives you the features of $200 sunglasses for a fraction of the price. That means polarized lenses, well-constructed, durable frames, and premium high-end finishes. Also something you won't find anywhere else is Shady Rays insane protection program. Shady Rays includes lost and broken protection on every pair. I've done it. It's true. They will send you a brand new pair if you lose them, no matter what happened. Give them a try, and if you don't love them, you'll pay nothing. It's as simple as that. Plus, 10 meals are donated to Fight Hunger in America when you shop with Shady Rays exclusively for our listeners. Yeah, they're a U.S. company, too, if that matters to you. Head to ShadyRays.com and use code LOCKEDON to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's code LOCKEDON for their best deal of the season. 50% off two or more pairs of Shady Rays sunglasses backed by over 150,000 verified five-star reviews. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. It's nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from all our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Russ. So May 10th, we are going to find out where the Flyers will be selecting in this year's upcoming NHL draft. And unfortunately, the Flyers have not been winning any games uh, with a six game losing streak going into tonight's game that currently puts the Flyers in the number three spot given where everybody else is right now. But 
the Flyers are pretty close to the Kraken and Chicago and New Jersey right now. I think that's Mm -hmm. kind of where the teams that could switch around positions. Um, Our opponent tonight, Montreal, I don't think there's any way, even if the Flyers lose out, that the Flyers could end up in that number two spot. They are facing in their last games, the Senators, Bruins, Rangers, and Panthers. So if we think that the Habs are going to win more than one of those games, I think we'd be deluding ourselves. Right. No, that's true. And, and the Flyers, I think, at least have a halfway decent shot of winning one or two games for, before the end of the season. But again, stranger things have happened with this team. But I do think that three is kind of the top place that the Flyers could end up, and then maybe mm-hmm. six is the bottom. Right. In terms of not that going great, into the lottery. Yeah, and there's not that great of mathematical difference between three and six either when you look at percentages. So that's fine. Um, I don't like it on the 10th. I was talking it over with some other people today, and they all liked it. Like I brought up the one scenario where they had it before the playoffs. Before the playoffs makes sense because then fans of teams that are out of it that maybe don't want to watch the playoffs, I'm sorry, NHL, but there are those fans. They do exist would at least tune in for that and and have something to look for before the you know but now they're going to have to do it sandwiched in the playoffs there and that's weird it's going to be completely virtual which does take the spontaneity out of it uh i i get that it's a bit of a pain for the gms to have to fly somewhere but when you get them all in the room and you get that nervous energy there there is something that happens we all saw brian burke kind of you know uh go through some gyrations And it's more fun to watch that when they're in their office or at their house and they're at home and they're doing it. They could turn off the camera the minute it's over and we don't get the same sort of feel. And I just feel like we lose out on something and reporters are not going to report on it as much now because there used to be live reporters back when they had live reporting on this. So there's not going to be any live reporters and we're all going to get the same quote. So it's kind of like, I think it dulls it down a little bit uh, to some degree. And I, I just not in favor of this. Yeah. I think in the past when it's been more of an interactive experience and in person like that, there's been a lot of ceremony to it Mm -hmm. and drama to it where Mm -hmm. now it's just everybody kind of sitting at home by themselves nervous for their team and you know it's in separate places you wouldn't necessarily have um, a fan gathering for this kind of a presentation uh, to you know cheer on your losing team which is it's such a weird thing right no it is but like when you're there live uh, and you have reporters there live you're going to answer questions a lot differently than when you're relaxed at whatever other location you're at. You know what I mean? And Yeah, and I also like it when they do it when they have not necessarily the GM representing the team. So mm-hmm. at least maybe they could try and spice it up that way by having, you know, random people from the organization or right. or key alumni uh, representing the organization or something like that cuz at least they'll say something less boring <laughs> than the GMs yeah. will. Like that's all I'm just trying to say is when you do it this way, it's almost guaranteed to be more boring. And yeah. I just feel and like on a Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, on a Tuesday is not great either. But my feeling is, and maybe it's just me because I'm like a draft fanatic, 
it felt like they had been building up a pretty good um, audience for this event. Now, when you couldn't, when you didn't have a choice to go virtual, that's one thing. You do have a choice now, but now I kind of feel like I don't know if everybody's going to be as psyched as they were before. I feel like now it's going to be like, oh, it's virtual. Yeah, maybe I'll tune in. If they don't, they'll just look at the results. But I just feel like when something is live, you always get better results. I mean, I can't think of anything where you'd say that the opposite, honestly. Well, we'll see as we get closer if they announce any more elements of it that will make it more exciting. And it will certainly be exciting for both the Flyers and the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, you know, both teams are two and eight in their last ten. Obviously, that's not exciting. No, both teams are on a six-game losing streak. So, although there is, is like... one positive, there is a big positive mm-hmm. that the fact that Carey Price was able to hold Minnesota to just two goals—that's a big positive. Yeah, and and that's one thing that we absolutely have to talk about with the Habs. I think that that has been, in addition to a kind of change in attitude that we've seen since Martin St. Louis took over the team, uh, having Carey Price back is not only good from a hockey perspective for them, but I think just from a morale perspective, um, having him back around the team and, and out there, you know, playing pretty well. Obviously, it takes a few games to get warmed up and get back used to the the flow of the game and he even said that himself but I think you know he's in a really good position now and he played really well in the two games uh, against the Wild and the New York Islanders he has a 923 save percentage between the two games and it was just that the Habs couldn't score in front of him right honestly it was like nothing that that he did which makes this such like a war of attrition between these two teams it's like both teams are in such a similar boat in terms of the goaltenders performing well and then not being able to score goals see I'm just begging I'm begging the NHL to put me in charge of the draft lottery because I would say okay you know what here's the first event Somebody from the Flyers is going to arm wrestle somebody from the Canadians. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and the winner is going to get the better draft spot. Like, come on. Who's not going to tune in for that? You know you would. Listen, we've talked ad nauseum, and people have been mentioning ways to kind of make this more interesting in terms of when, once you get eliminated, you go into a different pool, and the more games you win, this quote-unquote gold system. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, you know, you have to win out some games in order to get those top picks once you get eliminated. And, you know, I'm all for changing things up that way. Arm wrestling might be a step too far for No, me. I'm telling you, it's the, next, it's the next logical step. Well, I you know, I think that, uh, again, these teams tonight are so similar that it's eerie in, in terms of you know, what they're doing well. Except one's been to the cup recently. <laughs> Well, that is fair enough. But I do think that both teams, again, have gotten decent goaltending, inability to score, and they can't sustain their play for a full 60. I think they they both have, you know, really strong periods of hockey, but then ultimately can't put it together for a complete game. Right. I just here's what I don't want to see happen. I don't want to see happen if Caulfield scores and Brink doesn't, then all of a sudden it's like Brink's fault. This has nothing to do with Brink. This is just a decision the Flyers made. Yeah, the the different players, Flyers made a different decision. I 
get if the Flyers fans get mad if Caulfield's scoring. Like, that's fine. But don't blame the kid, the other kid. He has nothing to do with it. Also, Caulfield is on a line with Nick Suzuki and Josh Anderson. Yeah. I mean, that's a good line. That's a good line. So uh, I think... That's a fair point. <laughs> that it's Cole Caulfield is a tremendous goal scorer, and I love watching him play. But Nick Suzuki is a really good hockey player oh, yeah. as well and burns the Flyers a lot. So that top line should be interesting to watch versus the Flyers. It will be. It'll be the one to watch, really. Yeah. We also have Jeff Petrie has been playing a lot better since... Martin St. Louis took over and, you know, there was had been talk of him potentially getting traded and it didn't happen. And now he's playing better. Uh, we've got both Pitlicks, Rem and Tyler on the Habs now and they're doing all right. So That's something. I think it, it I think honestly, it's going to be one of those laughably fun games. And I'm just looking to enjoy it as best as possible. Yeah, I mean, that's what you should do, right? I mean, you should be looking for these little sidebarish things. That's what I would do. Exactly. All right. Well, we are going to talk more about the draft coming up next with our weekly prospect profile on draft eligible prospect Kevin Korchinski. Really excited to talk about this kid. But first, betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. You'll find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, hockey playoffs, and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, Russ, Kevin Korchinski. I am fascinated by him, uh, mostly because I think there's a lot of division among scouting experts on mm-hmm. him and what his potential could be. Kevin is a left-handed defenseman. He's currently in the WHL playing for the Seattle Thunderbirds. This season, he's played 67 games, four goals, 61 assists, if that gives you any indication of his style of play. Um, He's gotten into a little bit of trouble in the penalty box, but not too bad, uh, 40 penalty minutes this season. And he is known as a combination shooter and playmaker, less of a stay-at-home a defensive right. kind of guy and uh the ranking so far i would say mid to late first round is where he's typically mm-hmm. listed as and i think that we'll get into this with you but there's a lot of conflicting reports between different scouting experts and I would say within people's individual evaluations of him, they're like, well, he's really good. But then on the very next shift, you'll see something, he'll make a horrible mistake, that there's this lack of consistency in his play. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. And what so, you've seen? Yeah. So first thing is I want to mention that when you're on a WHL team in the States, you don't get the same kind of coverage. So it's harder to find good video clips hard to watch games, there's that. So that always causes a problem for for some of these players. Uh, I heard the same thing about Owen Power. Now, I'm not going to tell you Korchinski's as good as Owen Power on defense because he's not. But I heard this thing about Owen Power last year that, hey, he seems kind of like timid with the puck and pen, you know pensive with it. And, you know, and it's like just simply not true. He's not even careful with the puck. So I think it's easy to – 
to jump to conclusions from shift to shift. You should never do that. You should never put too much emphasis on one game either. I mean, that's that's where you know it gets a little crazy if you're trying to do that. I think he's fine. I'm going to give you, and, and this is something I rarely do because I do ask players a lot of times about players. Sometimes they're teammates, sometimes they're opponents. But sometimes players do have a great feel for what a player is. And I do feel like Jordan Gustafson has a great feel for what his teammate is. He said he's one of the best players I've ever played with. Uh, unreal player, unreal guy. He's such a great hard worker on and off the ice. He's one of the hardest workers I've played with. He's great on the power play. He's really deceptive with his, with his shot. Great skater, super good guy too. Someone I would trust with my life. Wow. Okay, like that, when someone says that to me, I don't take that lightly. Because that's sort of like that foxhole reference that you might make over somebody. Right. And in hockey, that means a lot. It does, especially for defensemen. When you're in yes. a pairing that have to cover each other, that if you can get to know a guy well enough to be able to anticipate his play because you know him as a person, I think that is tremendously helpful. Yes. Yeah, so, so a few more things. So the amount of assists that he has this year is the greatest number of assists in the last 30 years of any WHL player. And it's like 62, 63, something like that. That's something. Like, you have to look at that and say, wow, that's yeah, that's a big number in, in a good league. Yeah, and I think that everything that I've seen in terms of highlights and what I've read about him – it seems like he's made some really smart plays out there. And he's good reads. really good reads in terms of passes that yes. maybe some of them are a little bit too stretchy. Mm-hmm. And he'll have to adjust that at the NHL level because he won't be able to make those kind of passes. But that he's really heads up and he's really evaluating the ice in front of him. And that he also is on the rush a lot where he'll hold on he to the puck. And that where people see his weakness is that he'll get too far down ice in the rush and get caught in the corner and have nowhere to go with the puck at that point. But when he does look up ahead of time, he knows what to do with the puck. And I think that's important And and because it's not something that's that he can't improve on. It's something that's very easy to get better at. No, that's easy to get better at. I mean, I've seen quite a few defensemen when they were younger have that issue. Um, also as you get better teammates, meaning more high skilled teammates that tends to happen less too, because they could bail you out better. You got to remember he's the best offensive player on his team. So anything else is a sort of like a step down to sort of help him. Even Gustafson, who I think the world of, so you have to look at it like that. But when you think about the on and off the ice, when you think about the power play, you know, he's not a, a detriment on defense. You know that he has speed. This is exactly what teams need. I mean, this guy could be a top power play guy. Is he a top pairing guy? I'm not sure, but he's a top power play guy. So even if he's on your second pair and he's on your top power play, that's fine. And that's probably where he's trending. And that's a guy where, again, if you're a team like the Flyers, you may not want to take him if you're in that top five. I get it because you might like those other options better. But if all of a sudden, you know, you find yourself at even eight or nine, you have to have him on your board and have a discussion because again, not the same position, but just as an example, if you like a player like the way that Columbus, like Pierre-Luc Dubois, remember the, the whole discussion that came out of that. Oh, they picked him too high. This is bad. 
They're going to try and make him a center. This is never going to work. And he's scoring 20 goals a game in the NHL, and he's winning faceoffs when he plays center, right? It's a pretty good pick. Yeah. Sometimes you can't worry about if you feel like you're getting a guy a little too soon rather than, hey, do we need this guy? And honestly, the Flyers do need a guy like that or a Nemec or and that's the whole thing. If some of these guys are dropping off the board based on where they've picked or if they've traded down, then this is a guy that you have to consider. Absolutely. And I think, you know, your point about the power play is a really good one because, I think that especially on a second power play unit where there's two defensemen, if you have one that's covering the point and covering defensively, but you have a guy like Korchinski who can Mm -hmm. be the offensive driver, but also be a defenseman and thinking about that in terms of back checking, I think that's a really good combination to have in your arsenal. It is. It is. And so I think Korchinski is going to move up on some rankings, but I also think he won't on some others because they just can't see enough of him they don't know enough about him and that's just because of where the team plays like that is just that is one of the problems when you're playing on a whl team in the states well i think that for me this discussion probably moved him up on my list a a little bit just because again defensemen i think are much harder to read and harder to come by in early stages of the draft. And I think it would be a good option for the Flyers to consider. And again, depending on their position, definitely have them on your board. You know, here, here's the other thing too. Sandheim is a decent offensive defenseman, but he doesn't have that super high-end potential, right? And Cam York is pretty good on the power play, but we see that his shot isn't like where you would say he's super high-end on the power play. This guy has a chance to be that. And if you have that and you have those other guys, then you really have a, you know, a great future. And that's what you have to sort of look at. I know it's not sexy. I get that a lot of Flyers fans are going to want to forward or ask for that sniper that, of course, every team has a sniper, right? Rachel, everybody's able to draft a sniper yep. every year. It's just sure. very easy. But and obviously I'm having fun with that. But, you know, you get the idea. You have to at least consider a guy like this based on where you're picking and maybe even if you move down to get, you know, if somebody really gets, you know, hot and bothered and wants a pick and you're in that five spot and you can move to the 15 spot and you're getting a second round pick out of it, which you don't currently have, you might consider doing that. And then this this guy all of a sudden is, you know, Kraczynski becomes really big on your board. All right, we are going to wrap things up with our Flyers fun thing on Twitter. There are many uh, bots out there that will just post random things. I, I enjoy the New York Times headline bot. This one is the NHL draft bot that just basically put all the teams and some pop culture characters into a blender and then tweets out random picks from random teams. And I find it highly amusing. My favorite one so far is uh, the Flyers selecting Bender from Futurama uh, for the team. I think that's a great pick. And the whole account is fun. There's a link to it in the show notes. That'll do it for today's show. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. We will be back again tomorrow recapping tonight's matchup against Montreal. We'll have our gritty thing of the week and more. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in your questions via Twitter at LockdownFlyers, or you can email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. 
I'm Russ, and I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S, O-L-O-G-Y. And remember, Gritty wasn't drafted. He was signed. That is true. You made us your first listen every day. Now make your next listen Locked on Fantasy Hockey. Hosts Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day.